this episode. You know, here he was with a, a company that wasn't doing so well, actually. Built that business from 18 million up to you know, about 78 million. They kind of outgrew the industry you know, really down low and just thinking, okay, what can we do to have a place where people become the reason for the business? It's so interesting how an idea could emerge over time. Different events just add another nuance to the idea. As you tell it, your audience will tell you what bits to keep and which bits to discard. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And Sean, it is your turn in the chair. Indeed, indeed. So uh, I went to a um, Christmas drinks uh, just uh, the other day and uh, with a company called People Measures. And uh, I met a, someone who I hadn't seen for 20 years. Uh, a guy called Gary Ryan. Now we've actually interacted on online, but um, it was great to meet him face to face. And Gary told me this story, and I thought, "What a great story! I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this with the podcast." So thanks, Gary, for uh, putting me onto this. Um, so this is about a a CEO sort of changed the way he thought about his employees, um, and his name's uh, Bob Chapman. So Bob. An American guy, uh, sort of from Iowa uh, in the Midwest. And uh, when he was in his 20s, he he sort of went through, uh, you know, sort of graduate school, went through, um, you know, sort of a, a business school, uh, then joined a big consulting company. And eventually, uh, as, as he sort of did very well in the consulting company, his father, who ran a manufacturing business, uh, invited him to join the business, you know, as ostensibly to eventually take over the business. And so he was in his 20s and he built up his, um, you know, sort of responsibilities in that company over those a number of years. And and by the time he turned 30, he was given the, the job essentially to run the business. And on the same year, this is 1975, uh, his father had a heart attack and died. So you know, here he was with a, a company that wasn't doing so well, actually. Um, you know, they they had debt. They weren't making much profit. Well, clearly weren't making much profit because they had debt. Um, and uh, they had a really small turnover for the type of business they were. They had $18 million sort of turnover. But Bob Chapman, you know, sort of put all the knowledge that he had from his consulting work and his business school uh, learnings and and what he understood about business. Um, and he built that business from 18 million up to, you know, about 78 million uh, revenue and, you know, sort of started to get it out of, of its debt. It, it didn't have the debt and, uh, and started to building up, building it up. And people were sort of looking at him as the, the wonder kid of, of his industry. And essentially he made, they made the, the machinery that washed bottles for big beer making companies. Right. And and so he thought everything was going wonderfully, uh, but they grew so fast that they kind of outgrew the industry and it had to contract at some point. He was actually warned it would probably contract and it did and it came down like a, a ton of bricks and the bankers who were all there when everything was good, all of a sudden pulled everything when everything went bad. 
tends to be what bankers do. Um, and he was at a point where he just didn't think he could make his payroll. Right? So, you know, at this point he's, 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 you know, really down low and he's thinking, okay, what can we do? And he scrapes through that period and he decides to build the business through acquisition. Now, everyone's looking at him like, how can you acquire things when you don't have any money? But he went, because he didn't have much money, he had to go after the most poorly run businesses. I think his company, uh, Barry Waymiller, uh, has already bought and acquired something like 76 different companies. Uh, but they were going after all the poorly run ones. And he was going around. This is the first. This is the first insight he had to get him thinking about dealing with people differently, because he uh, saw he was you know visiting a particular company that just acquired. Um, it was at a time where everyone was talking about sort of the big basketball activities were happening in, in America at the time. Uh, what do they call it? Mad Mad March Wednesday. Madness. March Madness. That's it. March Madness. That's all a college. Basketball is it right? So, um, and he was in the he was in the cafeteria. Knew and no one knew who he was. He didn't. They didn't know he was the you know the new owner of the business. And he's sitting there and he's just hearing them having so much fun talking about the their teams and the betting they were going to do on their teams and how much they won and lost. And you know they were just like really excited. And then as it got closer and closer to uh, starting a work time, he saw the fun just draw. You know, sort of disappear from everyone right and he thought so why can't we have that sort of fun you know in business and so he suggested to um the managers there that they should actually put a little bit of a a game in place um to get people to enjoy selling a little bit more and the game was just you know to do with teams and and who sold a certain amount every week and you know if the individuals could win or the team could win and and everyone objected to every step of the way, but they ended up more or less encouraging them all to do it. And they did it. Their uh, revenues jumped 20%, right, in a, like a quarter. And he thought, gee, so you mean all these people knew how to do it, right? We didn't have to train anyone. We didn't have to tell them how to make more sales. Um, we just had to give them a more sort of fun environment. And that's when he started thinking about maybe they were looking at their people the wrong way. Um, so as the years move forward, he starts to look more and more from the perspective of how do you look after your people? How do you care for your people to have a place where people become the reason for the business, right? And also that he wants them to, you know, sort of mature and, and grow and thrive you know, through the surroundings of his business that he that he's running. And so he builds that up. And really one of the big moments for him is, is he goes to a wedding. Um, it's a wedding of his niece. And he's sort of thinking, there's the family sort of handing over. <laughs> well, his niece is now married to her new husband. And he's thinking they're giving all this responsibility to that new family unit to, to work, you know, and all that care that they had. And he's thinking, that's the sort of care I need to have for my employees. Anyway, he, he he switched his business really to just focus on that. And back in the early days when he started, he was like an $18 million revenue business, went up to $78 million. Um, 
well, with this new sort of approach, new new mindset, if you like, about uh, employing people and ensuring everybody matters, which is the name of a book he wrote on it. Um, they've now grown to a business that's uh, revenues of over $2 billion, 11,000 employees. Um, and Simon Sinek, you know, who has really been one of, at the vanguard of talking about that new type of leadership, which is about bringing people along and 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 really looking after people. He he is the biggest supporter of uh, of Barry Waymiller and what Bob Chapman has done there. Um, so so it was one of those. When I read it, I thought, gee, that's a that's a great way of bringing humanity uh, to to the workplace. Oh, awesome. Um, so how many companies did they acquire? Oh, I, know, I, I, I think it was in the seventies. It was a right, lot of, right. lot of yeah. companies. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. He, 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 his mindset at the very beginning was that if you want to grow, you have to acquire companies that give you new markets and new capabilities for innovation. Um, even when you don't have the money to do it. And in the end, they, they got very good at seeking out value companies that, you know, sort of were doing poorly, you know, in themselves, but with the right sort of focus and access to a few more resources, they could do very well. So that was his little strategy there. Yeah. Cool. But I find, and I, find, I find it interesting. Yeah, go ahead, mate. Oh, just the, um, uh, the transition from consulting to the manufacturing business. Yeah, uh, right. So and you know, so it, it was, it was good to know that he was thirty. I, I guess I, I, I'd echo some of the, the what you occasionally say, Sean, which is knowing a little bit more about the guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, kind of having Absolutely. more of a, more more of a picture of him mm, mm. Um, uh, would help. Yeah, you know, and I'll be totally upfront about this. I, it probably sounds a bit of a wishy washy story. As I was telling you, I'm thinking I'm all over the place with this. I don't really know what I'm doing here, um, and. And a part of it is because I haven't finished the book, right? I've, I've sort of only got part way. And you know how you take a whole, essentially the whole book is the story. Right. Or half, well, half the book is the story, right? The other half is kind of like his ways of working. But, um, and it's trying to think, okay, so what do I, what do I crunch down? What do I leave out? Because there's a lot in there about how the business grew and how they went did an IPO and how this IPO was the savior for them because, you know, they were really on their backside at one point. Um, and, but it's not really necessary for the story yet. I don't think I've really nailed the, you know, that real essence of what he's talking about and, and the approach. I've only got it at a sort of a surface level at the moment, I feel. So yeah. anyway, yeah, so just... it's, a, it's a good example of a story, not, totally understood yet i reckon i'll understand it more and more as i as i get into it and and tell this story over and over yeah and the as you learn more and retell it it's going to get better and sharper and 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 uh, uh clearer yeah yeah in fact what will happen is as you tell it your audience will tell you or tell me um what bits to keep and which bits to discard yep Right. Yeah. And of course it's it's 
one of the things, the questions that people ask you about your story, one of the best indicators you've got of what to leave in and what you need to add. And mm. and, and it also gives you some insight into what might, what could be left out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, the funny thing is the way Barry Ryan told the story to me. This is the, <laughs> the, the guy from Thursday night. Uh, yeah. The guy from Thursday yeah. night. And we told a much simpler version of the story, you know, he just sort of said, you know, so Barry, Ch have you heard of Barry Chapman? No, I haven't. Oh, amazing. He built this manufacturing business in America, um, almost went broke doing it, but really built it up again. And it was the fact that he changed his attitude to his people that made all the difference. And really it was this wedding that really turned him around. And he told me a little bit about the wedding and, and that was it. That was like the story. Whereas yeah. I've, I've tried to tell all these other bits of the story, which you don't, that's all you need. That like I should have just told Gary Ryan's version. He <laughs> should have just taped. I should him. have taped him and sort of said, "Just say that again, Gary. Oh, that was quite good." One more time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. So one of the things that uh, so in terms of how uh, uh, well, what did you like about the story? Hmm. I mean, I, I I like the fact that he, you know, sort of sort of went up and down in in his, you know, success, if you like. So, you know, started off with a pretty low. He comes up, he gets it back, but then the banks, but it's got nothing to do with his management style at this point. This is, well, it's probably got a lot to do with his management style, but, you know, it's the vagaries of the industry at that point is the sort of key thing. And it's only halfway through the story he starts thinking about, um, I guess, the, way in which he interacts with his employees and it only comes about in that you know march madness um canteen scene that's where he's that's where he gets his first inkling that maybe he's not doing things the best way for, for his people maybe he's not bringing them to life you know creating the conditions so they get excited about their work yeah um, yeah yeah work work not fun yeah 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 um now, uh, the names. So you know, if if I might move to just ways to make this story even better. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, Because there's a couple of things that uh, I guess the, um, you said that his father ran a manufacturing business and I immediately, my mind was going, oh, what sort of business, you know, what were they manufacturing? It's and it was some time later before yes. you said it was uh, the, the the bottle washing for the, you know, yeah. uh, for the beer industry. And so um, I, I had that question mark. Uh, for a while so yes yeah yeah and the names the name of the company is really unusual barry waymiller yeah i know isn't it is, is that I, the father's name or well it's a hundred it's an over 100 years old company and right. a guy called waymiller started it and then somewhere along the line a guy called barry joined him ah. and it became barry waymiller right and then like 100 years later his father takes over i said this is all the other elements his father takes over because he was like the accountant for the company, the count the company almost went broke. They did a management buyout, and the he and his father ended up owning the company. Right. You know, I think eighty percent owner, and um, yeah, so that's how it ends up. So they've got this really big heritage, if you like, for as a manufacturing business. Yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting, and you could tell that reasonably quickly that 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 little bit that you did there. Mm, um, yeah, and I mean, I, I I get that it's not really uh 
central to the point that you're trying to make, but it is useful context. For- Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I decided not to put it in because I, I just thought I was going to take me longer mm. to get to. And even as I told it, it took too long to get to the real point of this story. Yeah, and I, I thought that the the you know like as you said the 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 turning point of the niece's wedding. Yeah. So uh, you could have spent more time on that one. Yeah, you know, like just really used you know like emphasize that as the turning point. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, yes, but yeah, there's all ways that you can make this better, and you, you know this, the next time you tell it'll be different. But it, it, it made the point about uh, the about fun and the relationship between performance and enjoyment. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think it made the big point that I wanted to make was because, and I don't, and maybe because I'm just not too far enough along with the the. Um, there was a couple. Well, there was a couple of other a- events that occurred in the book that might be important to include. So, so he's he's got this. It sort of shows how things emerge slowly. I think so. He gets this inkling about releasing the the full capability of his employees by creating the right environment. Um, And then totally separately to that, you know, he's doing some sort of PR activity and his head of comms wants him to do a video of something. And he's done this video. And to start the video, she says, how, Bob, how do you define success? And he went, Oh, and he thought about it. He says, I I define success is, uh, by the, the the by the growth of people in my business, that's how I define success, right? So, and at that point, it's one of those things that came out off the top of his head, and he went, "Yeah, actually, that's how I define success. Oh, it's not the I like that. It's not the revenue. It's not the profit. It's they all come as a result of this definition of success, and." I should include that in the story, eh? Mm, yeah, that's a really nice that that because yeah, you can kind of picture the the interview and and him going, oh, mm. you know, the other thing I I think I've learned about the story in telling it, I would I would actually upfront sort of say it's so interesting how an idea can emerge over time, you know, and different events just add another nuance to the idea, and that, this is what happened to Bob Chapman. And and yep. sort of tell it like that, and tell mm-hmm. it as these three events. I would tell the March Madness event, the success event, and the wedding event. And then this all culminated in his whole sort of, I guess, uh, the culture that he's created in Barry Waymiller, and um, and how he's kind of you know sort of definitely um, leading the way in terms of how to run a business which is totally people focused. But yeah, okay, yeah. that's that's good. I'm glad to see this is why these conversations are great for oh, yeah. helping you understand these stories, right? Yeah, and it's a good lesson for everybody listening that by getting it out and, and having a conversation about it and it kind of the, the practice doesn't occur in your head. Like the practice occurs when you get it out and you can kind of look at it and go, oh yeah, this bit and that bit and get some feedback yeah. and uh, really just uh, accelerates the improvement. Yeah, cool. Um, in terms of business points for this story, I mean, one business point I think is around the fact that ideas emerge over time. Mm-hmm. Love it. Do you remember? Do you remember uh, that there was a, a 
I think a podcast that uh, Malcolm Glad did, Gladwell did about fast burn uh, geniuses and slow burn geniuses. Oh and yes, yeah. I, I, I think this yeah. is sort of a, has a relationship to that, right? Because uh, I remember the slow burn genius was um, it was that singer that uh, um, I did. Oh, no, I forgot. I'm going to really yeah, show no, no, you, how, you. how poor I am at remembering the names of singers. Um, Leonard Cohen. Yep. Got it. How about that? The old synapses were working. Leonard Cohen's uh, famous song, right? Hallelujah. Um, hallelujah. And how, what a long burn that was in terms of, and he, he never quite finishes, finishes it. Whereas, you know, you talk about a Picasso who can just knock out paintings like crazy. Um, I think Paul Chapman is a sort of a long burn genius here. You know, he's he's drawing out these ideas as they come and building one upon another. Uh, so anyway, that would be that would be another potential business point you could make out of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know the the the, the obvious one. We're about you know if you treat people well, if you care about their growth rather than just treating them as resources, then you're going to get. A much you know, a much greater chance of success. You know the relationship yeah. between um, you know, humanity and and uh, and success. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. So, Mark, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas. You know, we've only got oh, one more one episode to one go. Episode to go. I think we're going to do a bit of a Christmas special, right? Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, maybe put some reindeer antlers on and. <laughs> absolutely has some christmas themed stories um so i'm looking forward to that but um we need to give this a score before mm -hmm. we race off How, where do you put this in your pantheon of stories to to tell yeah yeah against my better judgment i have to go i'm going to go with a seven here like a, a, and you know a, Yes, I know it's another seven, but you know this is a this is a perfectly serviceable story, and it's uh, you know fit for purpose, and uh, I can see myself using it. So, yeah, yeah, I think I, as it's told at the moment, I think I can tell a better version of this story. I just haven't found it. No yet, question. Right? And uh, so, in its current sort of form, I'm going to give it a seven as well. Um, uh, I'll put that in quotes, that qu quote of yours just then, a perfectly serviceable story. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> that's called, uh, yeah, was it? Uh, yes, Bammed with yeah. faint praise. That's that right, exactly. Yeah. Well, with that, let's finish it up. Eh? Anything else we need to say before we uh, move on? No, just uh, hope our listeners are, not working too hard in that that crazy lead up to Christmas, you know, yes. when all those deadlines, uh, you know, got to be done by the end of 2022. Hope you're not having too much of that uh, that craziness. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, thanks for listening in to Anecdotally Speaking and, of course, tune in next week for our Christmas special where you'll learn how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio. <laughs>